Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey friends, welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm of course Andrew Gerza, your host, and I am coming at you on a... This is, you're hearing this on a Friday, but I'm recording this on a Saturday because I wanted to get a bunch done as we inch closer to 100. Because I had the idea now and I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling for cool show ideas. And this is one that I've wanted to do for a while. If you've looked at my Twitter suggestion for shows, you've seen this one at least two or three times in the polls that I've created to see what people think. This one was never at the top of the list, but... I wanted to do it anyway, so I'm going to do this one. Um, other things, before we go too far, please, please go on our go on to your podcast rating system wherever you listen to the show and rate the show. Um, five stars, please, please, I'd love you to death. Five stars for one of the only sexuality and disability podcasts out there. The more you rate and review the more the show gets picked up and people hear about it and that's that would be absolutely lovely also if you're a patreon subscriber to patreon.com slash crippled content you'll get you'll get this show and our minisodes earlier so if you want to subscribe one dollar a month will help you get this show days earlier and the minisodes days earlier than people listening on their podcast feeds and that way you can get it before Everyone else does and support the show like this, and I really, really, really would appreciate it if you could put a dollar down a month to make this show go, if you can. If not, tell your friends, get them to listen, and help us get the numbers up. Whatever you can do, I would super appreciate it. And now, on with the show. So this one I've called Lights, Camera, Cripple, What Taking Sexy Photos as a Disabled Person is Like, because... I wanted to talk about what it's like to have your photo taken as a disabled person and what that means and how that feels and some of the challenges of that. And I wanted to talk about just what it means to do that and to to put to sexualize yourself in photos. And that's something in my work that I've done quite a fair bit or tried to do, sometimes with hilarious results, as you'll hear. Um, but before I get into what I've done when I take sexy photos... I want to talk about the types of pictures we see when you type in things like pictures of disabled people into the Google machine. I wanted to see what what kind of things came up and what kind of photos we're exposed to of disabled people right away. And if you type in pictures of disabled people into Google, you're immediately met with a certain type of imagery, a certain type of pictorial that we've come to expect. 
So, people with disabilities overcoming challenges, people with disabilities in pain, people with disabilities in those wheelchairs that nobody would ever use, ever in their whole lives, those kind of chairs. Um, I saw pictures of Paralympians, pictures of Stephen Hawking, may he rest in peace, pictures of the Pope kissing a disabled man, just really, really inspirational porn type photos when I simply typed in, um... Pictures of disabled people into Google. That's what I found. Weirdly enough, if you type in pictures of disabled people, you'll, you'll also find a lot of pictures of non-disabled people doing menial tasks. I typed that in, and on my scroll on Google Images, I found, like, this dude in a manual chair doing the dishes, but it's very clear that he doesn't have a disability at all. It's very clear that he's not at all disabled, and he's acting for some sort of campaign. I didn't bother to look into see how he's, what he's doing it for, but it's very clear that he's not in any way living with a disability. And there were a ton of those photos, for sure. A ton of stock photos of disabled people, quote-unquote disabled people doing stuff, and it was just hilarious because it was like, you know... You could really hire a real disabled person to be in your stock photos and pay us to do that for you. I would happily go in my wheelchair and do something like that I actually can't do or mime something that I can't do to make a couple hundred bucks. Like, hire me for that. I would love to be a stock disabled person. Um, so if you're looking for a stock disabled person, hire us. I'm sure many of us would love to do that for you. Speaking of stock disabled photos, do you ever realize that when you're flying as a disabled person, you never really see um, the disabled person's point of view, like when they get on the plane? I think that, that big airlines should hire disabled actors to show what it's like for us to get on the plane. And I'd love to see, like, when they do the, the safety videos for the airline, I'd love to see a portion where the disabled person gets on the plane and does all that stuff and what it's like for them to get lifted in that horrible aisle chair and what it's like for them to basically if something happens like what does the disabled person do i'd love i think that the airlines on a totally different tangent from what i was talking about airlines hire disabled people to do safety videos about that for us i'd love to see that speaking of stock disabled characters i want to see a stock disabled traveler being told what to do on the airplane But back to what I was saying about the, the stock photos and the images we see around disabled people and disability and, and like when you type it into Google or when you look for images about disability specifically, um, these images are put forward for us, for society as a whole to quote unquote feel certain things or to create a particular narrative around disability of uh they evoke, these pictures evoke a sense of ableism that I think has become ingrained in our culture. These types of pictures help us to stoke, stoke those flames. P.S. I was super proud of myself when I used the term stoke just there. I was super like excited when I wrote that down. So very happy to say it again. These types of pictures help us to stoke those flames. Was that sexy enough? I'm not sure. And it's interesting to see how these pictures are used in articles with respect to disability. So when we see these photos, it's all about overcoming things 
inspiring, the challenges of being disabled, these stock photos are used for stuff like that. And it really does evoke a sense of ableism in our culture when these photos are used in that way. And so, of course, when I typed in sexy pictures of disabled people, I was met with even more similar stock photos of people in wheelchairs that that no wheelchair user would ever use. I really, I want us to do an investigation as to where do we find so many inappropriate wheelchairs for these stock actors to sit in. Can we at least get them a proper wheelchair to sit in if they're going to, if you're going to emulate my life about how cool it is to be a wheelchair user, can I please outbid you with a proper chair and tell you you should probably be in a power chair or a more custom chair or even a, even a racing chair that's way sexier than whatever it is you're in because no one would sit in a chair like that. It pissed me off so much. But when I typed in sexy pictures of disabled people, that's what I saw. Um... And it was, there was also a bunch of pictures where the the quote-unquote disabled person would be in the photo with their supposed able-bodied lover, and the able-bodied lover is like smiling over them with their shoulder, and they're laughing, and they're ha they're having these moments, or they're in their wheelchair and they're like they're like being together, and it's it's really really centered around the able-bodied person. Um, I think these pictures evoke a different sense of ableism, one that suggests that our love and our sexuality is only valid in relation to non-disabled people's approval of that, and these pictures uh, seem to tell me that. it's it, Everything I saw when I typed that in showed that, really, to be sexy and disabled, you had to be validated by non-disabled people, and I think that is a whole other form of ableism, and it's really problematic. I also found that many of the photos that were attached to articles that again perpetuated the idea of any type of sexuality and disability is quote unquote shocking or something that we never considered. So many articles, some 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 with my own face inclu included in them, were really um, like, oh my god, this disabled person has sex! Like, wow, I have I have contributed photos to articles like that just to get some profile and to get myself out there and it's tough sometimes when you see how we're still only talking about how sex and disability are shocking and these photos are used sometimes to do that. Um, I want to just go over a few photos that I found with respect to sex and disability that I absolutely loved and I love even now. Um, one was by uh, a paralyzed individual named Rachel Friedman Chapman she did a photo shoot in her lingerie with her leg bag and this photo went viral and it's been all over the disabled community and I absolutely love that photo and I used that photo to take one of my very first professional photo photo shoots where I wore my leg bag. I did it for the Now Magazine shoot in Toronto back in 2015 and I was hesitant to wear my leg bag. I was scared that people wouldn't like it, that it wasn't sexy, that I would alienate the photographer, that how do I... How do I do this? And looking at her photo really gave me strength to be like, fuck it, this is my leg bag. I'm going to do this. It's fine. And I, and I talked to people about it, and they all said, some said, don't wear it. Some said, wear it. It's a part of you. And I just decided finally that I was like, I'm going to wear this. And if you look at the photo, you can see the leg bag going down my leg. 
I'm naked in the shot, but the leg bag is on and going down my leg. And I remember being being very proud of that. And every time I see that photo come up, I'm very proud to see that mobility aid and that bathroom aid in the shot. One of the other photos that I absolutely love that I that I've seen from is is from my social media friend Robert Andy Coombs, who is a disabled queer friend of mine, and he's sexy as fuck, and he takes photos of himself in sexualized positions with partners and with people like that, and he t- has a photo where. He's lying down and he's in the grass. I think he's. I think it's in the grass somewhere. It's outside somewhere. It looks. At least it looks like it is. He's outside somewhere. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like he's outside, um, and he's got his catheter in and he's naked. And I, as somebody who's been struggling with how to make a catheter look and feel sexy and to properly talk about that, this photo is one of my most favorite. It resonates with me. Every single time I see it, it's so important um, because he, because of his paralysis, his body's changed since then, um, and I just think it's such a powerful photo. And I'm really trying to be careful not to sound super like inspirational porn, but as a disabled person, that photo inspires me, and it gives me emotional boners all the time because we don't see disabled people doing that ever, and it inspires me to do more of that work. And I really do think we need to see more things like that. And I love Robert Andy Coombs, who you should all check out because he does photography around sexuality and disability. And one of these times, he'll be a guest on the show. So shout out to you, Rob. Also, if you... (laughs) You know what's funny? What just happened as I hit record? My foot plate on my wheelchair made a sound that sounded like Flipper the Dolphin. And now I can't stop laughing. But... That weird, that weird aside aside, I, I act, when I typed in sexy disabled person in Google, a lot of my own photos came up, a lot of the own, a lot of, a lot of the own, a lot of the, the photo shoots that I've done to raise awareness for what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing have come up. And I wanted to kind of talk about my experiences prepping for those photo shoots and doing those photo shoots and some funny stories that have come about from those photo shoots. And then... I want to look into some ways that photographers can work with disabled models and make it easier for both parties involved. So let's first me tell you some hilarious stories of when I did, when I wanted to be a supermodel, a disabled supermodel. So let's talk about that. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor, and some great listeners. So we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. My name is Kyle and I listen to the Disability After Dark podcast, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. 
And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being an amazing sponsor. I want to thank all of the Patreon subscribers who make this show go. I want to thank the listeners who listen to the show and who have done ads for me. I want to also thank those of you who have written in for the Minnesodes because some of those stories have been amazing and I'm always looking for more Minnesodes. I love doing the Minnesodes in the middle of the week, giving you a little dose of Disability After Dark on the Wednesday. So if you want to write in a Minnesode, again, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. But now, back to the show about lights, camera, cripple. So before I get into the times that I tried to be a disabled supermodel and I failed hilariously, I want to talk to you about when I used to take pictures on my laptop back in college. Oh my goodness, I was like the selfie king. I loved taking photos of myself in my wheelchair, taking, doing what I thought was serious like sexy poses, but looked just hysterically not sexy at all, but I thought I was being really sexy. It was partially CP face. Um, it just didn't look funny at all, but I thought it didn't look sexy at all, but I thought it looked amazing. And there are a number of photos of me looking like that, um, which I'll put on the Facebook, Facebook group and on the Twitter, um, really, really funny. And I just thought that I looked so good and I looked really hilarious. And I thought I was Derek Zoolander and I certainly was not, which is why for a while my passwords were Drewlander. They're not anymore, but they were. Um, so I took this wanting to be a model with disabilities thing really seriously. And as you'll see, the hilarious results ensued. One of my very first photo shoots that I ever did was in a bathhouse in Toronto with one of my friends who works in the adult industry. His name is Ryan Russell. Hey, Ryan, how are you? We haven't talked in forever, but I missed your face. Uh, and so this was back in 2014 long before people knew who I was, or even I had any idea what I actually was doing, what I wanted to do, um, Ryan said to me, "We, you know, I can get you into a bathhouse, let's, let's do a shoot, give you some sexual confidence, and I was like, okay, that's a great idea, and I really wanted to, because he, he was in the, in the industry that I kind of wanted to, I didn't want to necessarily be a porn star at that point, I do now, but I didn't then, I, um, I wanted to just have a, you know, a porn star say you're worth taking a photo of. Um, that made me feel really good and validated me in a lot of ways. Uh, and I was really, really excited that he wanted to work with me because I'd never had somebody say that I, that I think you're, you know, attractive enough to take a photo with. So that was really nice. And so he was like, let's go to this bathhouse in Toronto. Um, I'm not going to name it just to protect it, so whatever, but we went there um, and I'd never been to a bathhouse or anything like that, and I haven't been to one since just because of accessibility issues, and I'd never been shot like this before. At this point, I had taken, I had had one other photo shoot done in my apartment in the suburbs of Toronto with, for, for, for a magazine one time, so I'd never done anything like this, never really been shot like this, never really been shot and sexualized like this, never. So this was all new to me. And so somehow, Ryan and I made it into this bathhouse together. I don't, I'm not sure how we did it, because it was totally inaccessible. Um, and I think we had to get me and Ryan and the photographer to lift my chair up through, through the back and lift it over this 
lip that was there. And so we did it. And I remember as soon as I got into this place, it was like, I remember it being low lit because it's, it's a, it's a bathhouse. And it was like, there was a, I remember there being like a red glow of light there. And I'm, I remember feeling hyper-sexualized and hyper-masculine as soon as I got in there. And my ideas for what I wanted the pictures to be and what I wanted my pictures to be changed. Like immediately I was like, I have to be like this. I have to be hyper-masculine. I want to look really like I'm down to fuck. Like I was, which, which if any of you know me and, and you've listened to this podcast long enough to know that my ideas of hypermasculinity and, and wanting to be hypermasculine are severely overshadowed by my super nerdiness and inability to not take anything seriously or be not hilarious at any, uh, not wanting to make a joke about something at the drop of a hat. So the whole idea that I wanted to be hypermasculine and super serious is just ironic now because now, uh, now being a funny, awkward, nerdy guy with a big dick is my jam and it wasn't at that point at that point i was like i'm gonna do this very seriously i'm gonna impress this friend of mine i'm gonna show him how i can do this and it's funny how things have changed so i was also in this little tiny room with the photographer who i didn't know and my friend ryan who i know much better now but i didn't know very well at the time and he was the hot porn star friend that i wanted to impress so i we're in this tiny room together, this, like, fuck room where guys go to fuck. And I was so nervous. I did not know what to do. And I was trying to be so calm and collected. But I was freaking out inside. And I was secretly hoping that I'd get to fuck somebody in there. Never did. But I was secretly hoping that at some point that would happen. Um, and it was also winter at the time. It was it was December. And I remember it being December because we were all freezing. Uh, and if you're living in North America... Or states that get snow, you know how cold it is in December. It's just really, really cold. Um, so I had come dressed in a big black winter coat and a sweater, and I couldn't take any of this off by myself. And it certainly wasn't the it wasn't the sexiest attire for for a photo shoot. But I didn't want to get in the way or be too problematic because I was here with my porn star friend. And I didn't want to ask for too much help in posing for these photos, which were supposed to be and were meant to be, in my eyes, sexy as fuck. What came out of this photo shoot was rather hilarious and, in my view, not at all sexy as fuck. Ryan and I spent an ample amount of time. He was trying to tell me to relax my face a lot. And I... (laughs) So every time I tried to do that, my CP would get in the way and telling somebody with CP and spastic tone to relax is really hard because when somebody without disabilities relaxes their face or is told to completely relax what I imagine happens and I don't know because I I don't I've never fully relaxed what I imagine happens is, is you go from whatever tensing of the muscles you have to full-on flatline zero and you completely take a breath and you relax when you're disabled like me, at least for me in terms of disability, you don't really relax. You, if if I were to let here, let me let me let me show you through the, the the through this audio medium. Let me show you how I relax. But if I was to take a breath right now and close my eyes and relax, 
even as I'm relaxing, I'm sitting at about a two in tone. And if you if you're if you've ever worked with an occupational therapist, a two in tone for somebody with cerebral palsy is about a zero for the rest of the world. But you still have a lot of tone in all your muscles. So poor Ryan, who didn't know any of this and who probably never knew any of this, was telling me to relax, and I was trying to, but I was giving him a two in tone, which means I wasn't relaxed at all. And I was also trying to, at the same time, give him a smoldering sex look because I, that's the kind of photos I wanted. I wanted I wanted come hither, fuck me photos. And <laughs> there's one photo of me in the black coat with my sweater on, super nervous, weirdly lit, because he's, he's trying to do these photos... You know, I'm not paying him for for this at this point. He's doing it for me out of the goodness of his, of his heart. So I'm weirdly lit in these photos. I have the big coat on, and I'm trying to look sexy. And at, th- at that point, I had a, a soul patch thing happening, which wasn't something that I wanted, but it was because my attendants didn't know how to shave my face. So <laughs> the picture just looks like me. I can, I'll, I'll put the picture on the drive because I have it somewhere. It looks like me constipated trying to hold in some shit. It looks like I'm pinching a loaf. And it's just hilarious. Just really, really funny. And I thought, I thought as I was making the face that I looked super sexy. I did not. Not in the least. I mean, the irony of that is that now I live with IBS and I deal with IBS, so <laughs> so there are many photos now where I'm smiling and I'm doing my job, but I probably am <laughs> I probably am holding in the urge to shit myself in a lot of professional photos that I've taken. And I wonder anybody who has anyone who's done sexy photos, is that a thing we do when we're trying to take a photo and smile really big? Are we also trying to pinch loaves? Is that a thing that happens? Professional models, tell me these things. I want to know because I'm not sure. But every time I've taken a big photo, I'm always like, oh, don't shit. Thanks, IBS. But that's that's the truth. There it is. <laughs> the more you know, shooting star. Just a little funny side story about shit photos and IBS and disability. One year for uh, for something I was doing, I it was a it was we we did it at this conference, and I I had to take a picture with with the dildo, and I had to wear a Santa hat and take a picture, and I wanted to look smoldering again, and I was having a really shitty day with IBS. At this point, I didn't know I had IBS. I didn't I wasn't properly taking care of myself to figure out my triggers and all these things. And I went to this conference and I decided that I was going to eat all the food there and be really, really reckless with my body. And so I decided to, just before they called me, have lunch with my mom and eat a tuna sandwich, which I've now learned is a giant trigger for me. And I'll never eat that again. But I had lunch with my mom at this event. She came to see me speak and I went back to do the photos. And as they called me and I felt a rumbling in my tummy and I was like, oh, oh, that feels weird. And I was like, this doesn't feel good, but I have to do these photos. And I'm in Leathers in downtown Toronto. I have to take these photos right now. I don't have, there's no chance of me not doing this. I have to do this. So they get me in front of the camera and they say, okay, Andrew, hold the dildo up to your mouth and make like a sexy pose with the dildo like you're sucking dick, which 
is my most favorite thing. So I was, I was more than obliged to do that. But as I'm doing that, I'm feeling the urge to shit myself and I'm sitting in my wheelchair in leathers, unable to do anything. And when you are a disabled person like me and you can't simply run to the toilet, you're like, what do I do here? It was so awkward because I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. And I was trying to be mask for mask in this photo, which is ridiculous because if you look at it, I look ridiculous. Um, and this bout of IBS was like so painful that I was like bowling over in pain and I had to take this photo. So I did it. I pulled it through. But there's a, <laughs> there's a photo where I'm just like, oh, God, I'm going to shit myself. What do I do? And I had no diaper on. I had no kind of like backup system if something were to go down and I was with all, all these sex positive people thinking great I cannot be the guy who shits himself here what the fuck do I do and I took the photo and I ran out of there and at this point I lived in the suburbs so to get from downtown to where I was to home to my attendant care was about an hour and a half so I don't know how I did it I don't I made it back but I was dying and so every time I see that photo where I'm holding the dildo all I could think is I was actually holding in a big loaf and there was nothing sexy about this photo but I mean I'm glad I did it and I'm glad that I got to hold a dildo in that photo but there was so much hilarious disability backstory to that that wow and I just wanted to share that so back to me in the bathhouse there's a there's a picture from that set of photos where I wanted Ryan to take a picture of my dick I wanted a dick pic and I never had somebody take a dick pic for me or any kind of photo of my cock at that point. And I was, I was really, I really wanted him to because again, he's a porn star. He knows how to do this properly. Like I want to his expertise in how to make my disabled dick deluxe, if you will. Um, and I was super nervous. And so I wanted to, like I had seen his porn and I'd seen what he did and I wanted to emulate him. And so we're sitting in this bathhouse and I'm naked with my, with my, I'm, I got my pants down and my big winter coat on. Um, and I'm trying to look, I got my dick out and I'm trying to get hard in front of my friend who's a porn star and it's just not working. And, um, and I, you know, and I, I thought it was a big deal to have my, my dick pic taken as a disabled person. Cause you never get to see that. It was important for me. And I didn't know how to how to look sexy while holding my dick in my hand. And because I have spastic hands, I was rubbing my dick with my thumb, trying to get hard and trying to get turned on to take this photo and look smoldering. The way they took the picture, <laughs> I'm looking down at my dick until he says, okay, I'm taking the picture. And then I look up and I smile like you would smile if you were taking your second grade school photo. So I swear to you, this picture looks so creepy because I'm in a winter coat. I'm, I'm darkly lit. My dick's out. It's not really hard, but I'm trying to get it there. My hands are all spastic. And they said, we're shooting. And I smiled weird. It looks like it just is so creepy. And if I can find a cropped version of it, I'll put it up there. But it looks really, really funny. And I, I every time I see it, I laugh my head off. I wish that I could tell you that... I didn't use those photos for anything, but in truth, they were on my Scruff app and a dating app that I used to, to look for dudes to hook up with for a brief period of time. I've since removed them and have better photos taken, obviously, but for a while there, 
people's first introduction to me and why you should fuck me is my constipated bathhouse photo, <laughs> which I will forever hold in the highest esteem. The second example of the time that I was wanting to be a disabled supermodel and and sort of failed hilariously was when I did a campaign for EGAL Canada. They do human rights and stuff around equality and um, queerness within Canada. And they were doing this campaign around masculinity and they asked me to be a part of it because they wanted representation of disability. They thought I was perfect for it. So they asked me to come down and do the shoot. And I did it because I understood the need for representation. And of course, I'm a fame whore. So I was like, of course I'll come, sure. Um, and I secretly was hoping that there would be some really good-looking dudes in there and things would go down. Um, no, no, but I really wanted to be properly represented. Um, so I went down there, booked a bus, got down there. It was in this warehouse, and I was, not surprisingly, the only physically disabled person in the room. I remember going around to all the guys in the shoot trying to say hello, and I was super nervous, and like the, the, all of us were nervous because it required for us to be naked in, in front of each other. And so for this for the campaign, they wanted us to kind of stand in a big group taking off articles of clothing as we talked about masculinity. And I could I was there by myself with no personal care attendant because I couldn't manage to get one for that day. So I, I could only take off my hat by myself. So I did it when they asked the first question. I took off my hat and everybody else took off other articles of clothing. And I remember watching all the guys take off their, their articles of clothing, like their shirts or their pants or their socks or something, and I wasn't really able to, so I just kind of sat there and was like, well, what do I do now? How am I going to get naked? And I was really worried that I wouldn't be able to do it properly for the campaign, and I was really worried that like, there were like 20 to 25 guys there, all of different backgrounds, trans, men of color, things like that, you know, you know, people who were more muscular, people who were not so much. Every 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 background was in this room, but I was super nervous because I was the only visibly disabled person in the room, which is different, I think, when you're being photographed, when you're being, I almost said photographized, when you're being photographed by one photographer and you yourself and you doing the shot and it's you in your house or you in a studio as the disabled subject, and that's it. But when you're in a room full of other able-bodied people or, or non-visibly disabled individuals, doing a shoot like that can be super nervous, and I was really, really scared. And I, I had a lot of a lot of internalized ableism around this came up. And I remember when it came time to do that, two awesome guys came up from behind me and, and asked me, hey, can we undress you? And I felt super validated because I, of course, said yes, sure, thank you so much. And they offered to, and it was really, it was one of the sweetest things that anyone's ever done for me is just, just randomly offered to do this for me because they knew that I couldn't. Uh, it was something that I was really happy and grateful to have done for me. Um, but again, I was totally aware that I was the only physically disabled person in the room, and that did really bring up a lot of issues and, and feelings for me in doing that, especially given the fact that this was also being videoed and would go across Canada to talk about masculinity in different spaces. Um, so that was, it was tough to, every time they said take it off an article of clothing, the, the gentleman would take off their clothes and then come around and take off my clothes. I felt it was important to show that, but again, it did, 
making me have some feels that I wasn't really sure how to to navigate at that point. So along with this shoot, we did group shots and we did like like together shots and then we did some like some paired off shots and then we did some solo shots. And when it came time to do the solo shots which with each of us and it came time for me to do mine, I roll up onto the photographer paper the and like they were trying to get my wheelchair in the shot and trying to figure all that out and trying to figure out how to do that. And the photographer, this nice, nice man, older man who clearly had been working with models for a long time because he kept being like, yes, you're amazing, beautiful, like you would see them do in the movies. Um, he told me to pose. And as a wheelchair user, I always find it sort of hilarious when photographers tell me to pose because... I genuinely, genuinely, honestly, never know what to do when I'm in my chair because I'm in this chair. And when you're in the chair, what pose can you make? How do you like? How do you pose in your wheelchair? I can move my arms in certain ways, but then it makes the shot look weird. So I try to make my ge my gestures a little bit bigger and a little bit more animated because not that I'm trying to overcome the chair, but I'm trying to imbue some personhood into the into the wheelchair in the shot if that makes sense so yeah this photographer was just like pose and i didn't know what to do so i made my gestures bigger and i decided in this shot to make a vogue face like madonna which again i have spastic face i give spastic face all the time I pretty much give spastic everything, spastic face, spastic head, spastic fucks. I give all the things because I have spastic CP. So when I give spastic face, again, I'm at a two, I'm not at a zero, I don't relax. So I decided that I'm going to be Madonna and put, <laughs> and put one of my spastic fingers over my eye like Madonna did in what I thought was a Vogue thing that definitely wasn't Vogue, but in my disabled brain, that was Vogue. So, in my head, this looked totally hot and smoldering. But when I made the motion with my hand, because everything is connected in my spastic CP body, so when I made that motion with my hand, it pushed my disability belly out. And so the picture makes me look like, and I'm not kidding, the picture makes me look like a six-month pregnant voguing E.T. who is a wheelchair user. I swear to God, that's what I look like when in, the, in this photo. To make matters even more hilarious, that photo was going to be put um, in one of the subway stations in Toronto. Ironically, the picture of me in my wheelchair was put up in an inaccessible subway stop and it was also sent out across Canada for certain parts of the campaign and people saw this in the subway and they sent me photos and every time I look at it I see myself as a, a, a pregnant voguing ET who's a wheelchair user so essentially I'm Roger from American Dad if he uses a wheelchair that's what this photo is is for me, and I love this photo so much. I'm very proud of it, but that's what this... <laughs> that's what I see, and again, this brings up my internalized ableism because I wanted a smoldering six-pack for all the dudes to fuck me, and I didn't... 
I didn't give that, and I'll never give that. But in my brain, that's what I—that's what I'm supposed to want because that's what all the other men are, are, get to try to do. Like the instagays, the insta, the instagays on Instagram. Whenever I see that, I get super jealous because I won't be able to give that, and I want to. And it, but I love the photo for what it is. I think it's an important discussion of masculinity. And now that you know the backstory, if you ever see that photo, which you will, because I'll put it on the Facebook thing, you can laugh along with me as to how that photo came to be. Alright, so the last time that photo, that me being a disabled supermodel was hilarious, I think I told a little bit of this story in episode 44, but that was literally almost like 50 episodes ago, so I feel like I can revisit it, so I'm going to do that. Um, I was out in Vancouver, Canada back in 2016 to do some press, not, not, not even press, some principal photography for a documentary that I was in with the National Film Board of Canada called Picture This, which will, once it's done its festival run at some point, it will be available to the public and you'll all see it, but it's not there yet. But I was out there doing principal photography for my for my documentary and I asked a photographer if I could take a photo, if I could have some photos taken with her. She she was a BC-based photographer. Her name is artist Jessica Ray. She had a friend who did who did modeling, and I contacted him and said, "Would you be willing to do a photo shoot with me, where we were posed sexually together, like in a bed or something? Would you want to do that?" And he agreed, and I was like, "Okay, this is great, awesome." Um, and we did these photos together. I was nervous because I'd never done. I had had you know, the photos taken of me where I'm sexualizing myself, but I had never been with another person on um, a set like that to do anything like that. And it was funny because, as I say in episode 44, the crew for the, the film was there filming me along with the along with the photographer, along with my model friend, and we were all in various states of undress. So I pretty much know kind of how a porn shoot works now. And I'm so down for that. I'm down for it so much. Um, so they agreed to do this for me. And I was not calm. I was nervous as fuck. I was worried about how I would look versus next to a, uh able-bodied person in a shoot like this. I was worried what he would think. I was also really worried that during the shoot that I would only have one pose, which is Dead Turtle. Side note, this is true. I went to New York recently and did the did a kind of impromptu photo shoot in my hotel room with a friend of mine to take pictures for a guy that I was seeing and fucking around with. And I only have one pose when I'm out of the chair, and that is Dead Turtle. In the chair, I look like a bloated E.T. who's voguing, and out of my chair, I'm a dead turtle. I mean, that's sexy as fuck, right? And that shoot ended up being used in a photography magazine in Germany, I think. And then as part of the film. So I was happy to do it. But I just wanted to share some of the funny moments when I tried to be a disabled supermodel and look sexy as fuck doing it. And I hope Lights, Camera, Cripple was a fun little discussion of that. But before we're finished, though, I do want to provide some tips and tricks for... Uh, Photographers who may be shooting with 
disabled models and some things they can be aware of. So if you're a photographer, and I know that many of you are freelance, and it's hard to make ends meet. I'm a freelancer too, so I, I feel you. I get you there. But if you want to work with a disabled model, try to remember that many of us live on limited income. So if you're able to provide a payment plan or a reduced rate for the fact that the model is dis is disabled and might want these photos for themselves, that'd be great. Obviously, don't, don't offer it for free because I don't want you to devalue yourself but I do want us to find ways that disabled, disabled people who want professional photos can do so without breaking the bank for themselves. And I think having disabled models in your portfolio as photographers is really, really important. That's tip one. Tip two is people with, uh, people with photographers have asked me to sometimes bring a friend to the shoot. Now, sometimes as a disabled person, this is simply not possible because what they want the friend for is help getting undressed, help being comfortable, stuff like that. So you may have to, as a photographer, help the disabled person out and help them maybe change outfits or undress and things like that. And these are things you may want to be prepared to do to help the disabled person out. Obviously, there are boundaries and comfort levels but I think asking us to bring a friend is tough because sometimes we simply don't have access to personal care attendants or friends for shoots like that. Also, you'd want to look at uh, accessible locales or or places where I could where the 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 disabled person with a mobility device could be shot properly. So maybe you come to my house, which is an accessible apartment. Maybe we go to your studio, but you need to look at a place where my wheelchair can be part of the experience too. And please put the wheelchair or mobility device in the shot. Don't try to only shoot me from the neck up. Make sure people see my mobility device unless I tell you otherwise. If I don't want the wheelchair in the shop for some reason, sure, but usually I do and I think it's important that we see that. So be sure to shoot with a wide angle lens to get my to get a wheelchair or or a mobility device in the shot. Also, I've had experience with photogs where they're doing a group shot and there's two or three of us and we're supposed to be miming a scene or something and they'll deliberately shoot predominantly the non-disabled person and then I'll be in the background because they don't know how to shoot with me or work with me or ask me to position myself in a certain way. That That's not okay. You need to learn how to work with disabled models and how to make sure they are included in all these shots so that they're not the offshoot in the picture where like there's everybody like smiling or something and then there's the disabled guy in the corner. That can't happen. And there needs to be space and time for you to to build a shoot around a mobility device in a wheelchair where the disabled person feels included. And that's an important thing for photogs to remember. And if you need time to work with a disabled model to see what they need, make sure you take that time. Alrighty then, this has been episode 91 of Disability After Dark. Lights, camera, cripple. Thank you so much for listening and please... Uh, rate, review us, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to send in for a Minnesota, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. If you want to send in a show idea, the same place. If you want to send in a promo, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Also, um, thank you so much for listening and 
talk to you soon. Bye. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made, by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.